we continue on with what we started last week. This year, which God had told us clearly that um, it is the year of plenty and progress. Hallelujah. And this is irrespective of where you are. I remember the first day we started praying and fasting on December 1. God spoke to us and it was later to be confirmed that this is the year of plenty and progress. And so during this uh, month of January, I'll be taking us through a series just looking at um, what it takes. When God speaks to us, if you go through all the churches just in Lilongwe, don't, don't go outside Lilongwe, just within the city, you will find each church has been told something about this year by the Lord. There's a declaration that has been made. And usually what happens is that when a declaration like that has been made, by the time we get to the end of the year, you look back and you say, maybe God has lied. Because what was declared in, in January has not happened to me by now. But that's not true because God cannot lie. Amen? God cannot lie. So what we are doing this month is we are looking at what kind of people we need to be what kind of things should we do for these declarations to begin to happen in our lives? God declares, but we also have a part to play. Amen. So last year, when God spoke to us and said that this is the year of shining, that shining has not stopped. So for others, it was the beginning of shining. For others, it was a year of shining even brighter. For others, it was your shine had become dim. And so it needs to be, maybe, uh, you, you need to, 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 to dust it off and so on and put it at a place where it will shine brighter. So we are at different levels regarding last year. So on top of the shining, God is saying, this year is the year of plenty and progress. And what we saw last week was that there's, for, for us to have, plenty and progress when God spoke to us from Genesis chapter 26 verse 13. We need to plug in into God's mindset for us. We've got to know how God thinks about us in this regard or any other regard for that matter. So we need to plug in and we saw scriptures that showed us that it is God's will for us to have abundance. Yes, there is poverty. Yes, there is things that hinder that that, that plenty to come to pass. Sometimes you can have it all and lose it like Job. But God's will still remained and God restored Job at the end. We looked at the scriptures um, for just, to, just to verify that God's mindset for us is for us to have plenty and progress. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 all the way to verse 30. As, as an example, there are several other scriptures. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he says that I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. It, that's what it means. Amen? So sometimes when we join in, when people are saying, oh, how is life? Ah, omewu. Uh-uh, that's not God's will for you. It's not omewu. He wants you to have abundant life. Because abundant life means abundant life. It means there's plenty. It means there's progress. Hallelujah. So, but this is easier said than done because we face with challenging circumstances. 
When God was telling Isaac this issue in Genesis chapter 26, it was at a time of famine. There was scarcity. And God comes in and he says, I'll give you, I'll bless you. I'll bless your descendants. I'll bless all the peoples of the world through you. And he's talking to Isaac during a time of scarcity. And so that challenges us. Especially when things come in quick succession, not even giving you room to breathe. We spoke about how, how we took a look at the uh, example of Job. That while this one was speaking and saying, you have just lost all your donkeys. Another one comes in and says, this has happened. You have lost all your barns and you've lost your, your produce. You have lost your camels. And every reporter that came was interrupted by the next reporter. Life does not give you space to breathe. And we say that, you know, these times the popular thing when life becomes hard, at least we see it in the movies, I hope you don't do that in real life, is to say, no, I'm not ready for this. I can't take this anymore. And people walk away. Life will not give you that luxury. Life will not give you that luxury. And we could talk, each one of us have got stories of at a point in our times when this happened and just when we were recovering, the next thing hit. Just when you're recovering, the next thing hit. And so on and so forth. Elijah reached that point. He said, God, it looks like I'm the only one. I've handled so much. Here's my resignation. And God said, okay. Resignation accepted. You go and anoint the successor after you. And into the picture comes Elisha. Those moments come. Even for people who walk with God. Hallelujah. So, sometimes when God speaks to us, we meet the challenge of history. In the past, when something like this happened, this is how we dealt with it. And it worked. And it makes sense. Go to Egypt because Egypt has got food. Right? But this time, God is saying, for you, this is the right way for you. For you this time, I want you to stay in Gera. You will plant here and you will be prosperous. Sometimes, even common sense does not make sense when God tells you to do something. It's hard. And people say, don't you know that all your friends' children are going to that school? You said, yes, I know. But you've got the means to send them to that school. <laughs> yes, I know. But I sense that God wants our child to go this way. And your family can't understand it. We meet those situations. We also learned that there's a way that appears to be right in the eyes of men. But in the end, it leads to death. Maybe if Isaac had gone to Egypt, who knows what would have happened. But God keeps on intervening in our lives. And aren't you thankful that God intervenes in your life? Amen? I'm thankful that God has intervened time and time again in my life. I would have taken roads that lead to death. But we thank God. According to Psalm chapter 23, it says that he leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So sometimes when God interrupts your life, and you miss that boyfriend, you never know what God was saving you from. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Because sometimes we think, oh, my ex this, oh, my ex. Look, they are an ex for a reason. Live with it. That one was for free. 
But I'm thankful that God intervenes in our, in our lives. I'm really, really thankful. When I look back at my life and say, if God hadn't come in there, this wouldn't have happened. If God hadn't come in there, I wouldn't have met these people. If God hadn't happened to intervene at that point, it would have been worse than it is. So the challenging choice we continue to make is to continue believing in what the Lord has said to us. Don't give up. The word that God spoke to you, hold on to it. It will surely come to pass. Maybe not in your lifetime, but maybe your grandchildren, maybe their grandchildren, they will say, once upon a time, there was a grandpapa called Sunganan, and he dared to believe God. And because he dared to believe God and pursued what God had spoken to him, we are here today. Thank God for grandpapa Sunganan. Hallelujah. You read the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that's the story. So when we're talking about plenty and progress, don't just make it about you. God wants to bless other people as well through you. So we can't afford to be selfish with our blessings. We can't. God looks beyond that. We learn from Isaac that he decided to plug into what God had said to him in spite of all the opposition he had met. And we looked at the different things. History was against him. The circumstances were against him. If you're staying in Gera and it is a year of famine, how and God is saying plant, how does God expect you to get those crops watered? How? Everything did not make sense. In spite of his weaknesses and seen as a human being, because we see him lying, that's that Rebecca was his sister. In spite of all that, God's mercy comes through and he intervenes on his behalf. And surely, as God promised, he begins to prosper in that land. So let's go to Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. The Bible says, Isaac planted crops in that land. And the same year that he planted, the same year. He reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Now that is plenty and that is progress. Plenty and progress. And the reason God is blessing Abraham is because if God is going to bear a nation out of you, that nation will need wealth to support itself. Find out why God is blessing you. Find out. Why, why has God blessed me so much? Hallelujah. So the first thing we notice is that, we could have read the whole chapter, but the first thing we notice in this whole affair is that, when there was a famine in the land, besides that earlier famine of Abraham's time, Isaac, in his thinking, he went to Abimelech because Abimelech was king. And how many of you know that kings have got resources? Kings have got resources. Those who rule have got resources. In a year of famine, you would be amazed how kings eat. You'd be amazed. 
in a country where they say there is a humanitarian crisis, you'll be amazed how state house eats in that country. You'll be amazed. You'll be saying, is this the very same country they are reporting about? So Isaac knew. Common sense said, connect with those who have resources and you survive. And he's thinking of going down to Egypt and God steps in and says, no, you, you are not going. You stay here. And I want, I want you to plant. Don't forget about Abimelech. I want you to plant. Because when you plant, I will bless you. And the guy plants, he harvests, he begins to buy food, he begins to buy cattle, he begins to buy goods. The guy becomes rich and then his riches begin to grow and then those riches, he becomes just, as they say elsewhere, stinkingly rich. But it starts from verse 2. Let's go together, verse 2 to verse um, 6. It says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, This is in the year of famine, where the circumstances are challenging. The Lord appears to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements and commands, my decrees and my laws. Verse 6. So Isaac stayed in Gerah, against all advice, against all common sense. But because he heard from the Lord, he stayed in Gerah. Hold on to what the Lord says to you. Hold on. You need to be convinced that here I am not moving because the Lord said so. When you are convinced of something that the Lord has said to you or he is leading you, you to, hold on. Hold on to it. I was listening to a song. Namadingo has a way of putting scripture in ways that challenge you. So this song is about Mary. The women of the village are saying, Mary, you better explain. Just be very truthful. We have seen you with Joseph riding his donkey. Now this issue about the Holy Spirit, don't, don't even go there. Just say the truth. And he says, Mary stood firm and said, it's from the Lord. You know the story, right? You understand. She stood when really the law demanded that she be stoned to death. Joseph is about to marry this young woman. Actually, she was a teenager. And he finds out she's pregnant. And he's thinking of divorcing her. Because that was just something shameful. But an angel from the Lord comes to him and says, don't do what you're about to do. He didn't say you're doing the wrong thing. Actually, he was doing the right thing. But, but the angel says, no, 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 this is from the Lord, so stand by it. Don't you think there were Joseph's friends who came and said, Ajimwen, why are you continuing with this girl? She is unfaithful to you. 
That's why it has happened. And Joseph said, thank you for your advice, but I'm going ahead. Because the Lord had said so. Now, one time, um, we're told of, um, I think it's this series, 16 and Pregnant. Uh, and, 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 and the doctor comes in and tells the mother, your, your daughter is pregnant. And uh, the daughter said, no, it can't be. My daughter can't be pregnant. So the doctor goes to a window and just stands there looking outside the window. And the mother says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm looking for a star. Because last time something like this happened, there was a star. You get it. Isaac heard from the Lord. And he held on to it. In spite of what the circumstances were saying. In spite of what people were saying. In spite of what the common sense thing to do was. To go to Egypt. He stayed in Gera. Because the Lord had given him a promise. The Lord had sorted it out. God has a habit of starting from the end. Did you notice? When he's creating something, he starts from the end. Heaven, it's all done. And then he works backwards. Pastor was sharing yesterday and I was like, Pastor, you've taken my notes. You know, there are times when you are in deep trouble and you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, you need to intervene here. Help me. How do I go through this one? How do I pay the rent? Where do I get the school fees? And you are busy worrying about all these things and the Lord has sorted it all out. When Isaac, who was a prayerful man, went to um, Gera, you will see that he was in constant communication with the Lord. He walked with God. And he was probably saying, Lord, I'm going to Egypt. I don't know. But it looks like Isaac and God were on speaking terms. While he's busy trying to link himself with Abimelech, and because Isaac had, got, had access to the king, he's thinking of proceeding to, to, to Egypt. God comes in and says, don't worry. God had already sorted it out. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Because we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. Today I'm talking about prayer, plenty, and progress. You cannot remove prayer and experience true plenty and progress. You might have plenty and progress, but you will not have peace with it. You will not, because God is out of it. So it was final. When, when Isaac was busy trying to figure out what he was going to do next, God had already sorted it out. Not only for this famine, he had sorted out things for the next generation and the generation after that and the entire earth. And just that's where God works. It was done. The declaration of the word of God upon your life signifies war with the enemy. I want you to understand that. When God had spoken to Isaac, verse 2 to verse 7, and Isaac decides to obey the word of the Lord, the enemy saw war. Because what God intends to accomplish through Isaac, 
is bad news for the, for the enemy's kingdom. What God has told us that this is the year of plenty and progress is bad news for the enemy. And the enemy is not just going to sit down and, and take it all in and say, oh yeah, they're going to have plenty and progress. Look at them. I wonder how soon it will happen. Uh-uh. He's already scheming, how do I divert this? How do I take them away from it? Because he wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. He knows what heaven is like. He knows what walking with God is like. He knows what worship is like. Remember, he was the worship leader in heaven. And he doesn't like it that we're going to get what he used to have. So when God promises something to you, when God leads you towards something, it's a declaration of war with the enemy. Understand that. To the teenage David, God saw a king. Full stop. And then the war starts. Beginning with his brothers. Take this food. Go and visit your brothers on the battlefront. See how they are doing. Very clear. Right? This guy had been anointed king. He comes on the battlefront and he sees Goliath. And all of a sudden, his brother, he asks, this guy is, is defying the Lord God. What, what's going to be done to the man who will deal with this one? And his brothers, his, when I say his brothers, his blood brothers, same father, same mother. I said, what, now what do you want? I'm just asking a simple question. What will be done to this guy? Just go back home. The battles even start within our families sometimes. You make a decision to get married. I want you to know you will find, you will face opposition. You will find war. Especially when you want to do it right within the Lord. The Lord's provision of marriage. You face war. You face it. They'll tell you all, all sorts of things happen and you're saying, am I doing something wrong? No. You, you're just following the Lord and the enemy is not happy. To the timid Jeremiah. God said Jeremiah was his prophet. And immediately the enemy begins to bring up all these objections that Jeremiah could think of. But all God is seeing is a prophet. That was the word of the Lord. We go on. To the teenage Mary, we have already spoken about it. God saw that the Messiah was going to be born through her. No matter what the community thinks, no matter what, no matter what, this one was the one God was going to use for the Messiah to be born. These are not easy things. To the mass murderer called Saul of Tarsus, God saw his prized missionary. Amen? He was busy giving consent for killing of Christians. Some he would even hand them over to, 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 the, to the authorities himself. And he would go from place, from city, from town to town, murdering Christians. Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee. And God says, enough is enough. And he meets him. By the end of that meeting, Saul is blind. And he begins to pray. Because, I mean, you are okay all these years and then, phew, no sight. No sight. Now, God, in his mercy, appears to a believer and says, there is Ananias, there's a, there's a man called Saul who is praying. I want you to go and pray for him that his sight might be returned. And what was the problem with Ananias? 
He knew the old soul. He didn't know the one who had become. And he says, God, just hold on a minute. I, I understand that message. But this is so we are talking about. And God says, I want you to go. Because in God's mind, the missionary was ready for the work. It had to take Barnabas to, to get Saul and appear with him where the believers were. Because, I mean, if, if you are told Saul is now Paul, he's now one of us, if, even if it were me, I would be thinking, is this a trick or what? Because if he's now one of us, he will take all the intelligence. Uh, there's Tandi Purusa, uh, Mrs. actually, two kids. There's um, uh, uh, her husband as well, yeah. There's so-and-so. He, he would have gathered all the intelligence. And after a while, you just see people coming. Arrest this one, arrest this one, arrest this one. So Ananias was justified. But God continued to work because in Saul, he saw somebody he was going to use to bring the gospel to the rest of Asia. Hallelujah. Then there is the forgotten and left for dead. Remember that guy, Mephibosheth, who was hiding in Lodeba. God wasn't done with him. He pulled him out and gave him plenty for the rest of his years. The word that God has spoken about you. The Bible says that I know the plans I have for you. The thoughts God has for you are for plenty. They are for progress. They are for prosperity. They are for eternal life. They are for you to know and, and walk with God all the days of your life. They are for you to be a blessing to your people. The reason God has saved you through Jesus Christ is that you might bring salvation to the rest of your family. Those are God's plans. Because he does not want anybody to end up in hell. Hell is, is for the devil and his angels. It was never made for man. So he wants us to be a blessing to others so that they might be able to enjoy the joy of the salvation that we have. So last week, all we were saying was, let's hold on to the word that God has spoken to us this year. This is the year of plenty and progress. You don't understand, Pastor. My job is, I'm saying, this year the Lord has said is the year of plenty and progress. Where is this plenty going to come from? It, that's God's problem. He will show us. Amen? But for now, all we are saying, last week, get plugged into his word. Get plugged into his promises. I hear that people, I've, I've heard and I've read people talking about getting rid of, of negative people. You've seen those. This year, just get rid of negative people. Yeah? But you see, when God gives you a promise, the enemy gets to be at war with you and you go through conflict. You go through battles. We learned last year in December when we were being taught that the moment David was anointed, his public battles began. His brothers, Goliath, Saul, public battles all over the place. You remember that? Now, one of the things God does with negative people, those ones who give you negative energy, the ones you want to get rid of, is that he uses them to sharpen you. So all the best with getting rid of negative people. 
I, I let God get rid of them. When they are done doing their work in my life, he knows when they should go. Hallelujah. The problem is some of these negative peoples are, are, are your cousins. They are your sisters. Some of them are your brothers. Some of them are your uncles. How are you going to get rid of them? How? People, how? You can't. So, God is using everything, everyone. He is using them to work out good in your life. If you get rid of them, you might not be the kind of person in Chichewa Wotiakukabuino, the way God wants. You might not be that well done the way He wants. So, some negative people, here's news for you, are in your life to stay. Maybe for a while, maybe for good. We don't know. But all we know is that the word of God says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 92 of Psalm 118. 19, sorry. What you need is the word of God. Negative people or not. So I just want to destroy that one because I think it is misplaced. There are others, it is very clear, they need to go. Okay? But there are others you can't get rid of. A story is told of a certain fish that is caught on the east coast of the United States. I think I've told you this story. And it is a delicacy that the people on the west coast of the United States love. So what, the, what would happen is that if you eat this fish on the east coast, I've just forgotten the name. When you eat it on the restaurants on the East Coast, the people discovered that it is very tasty on the East. But on the West Coast, this, the restaurants that serve it on the West Coast, it's, they have to put in a lot of spices and all these things to make it, you know, taste good. But the clients on the West Coast were saying, there's, there's something missing. There's something missing. And so they discovered that in its natural habitat, this fish has got a natural predator which chases this fish a lot. And because of that, they develop a certain chemical. And that chemical is what makes it tasty, some kind of adrenaline thing. So what did they do? They would catch the fishes live, transport them within the aquarium, within an aquarium. And do, they would do their maths. This predator eats so many fish per day. We need to catch so many, plus a, uh, more, and then put one predator in there. So when the truck is going to the west coast and the fish arrive, they still have got that adrenaline that makes it taste good. I'm saying don't get rid of negative people. Allow them to be used of God in your life to make you a tastier Christian. I'll stop there. But, you know, Isaac was brought up, brought up in plenty. His father Abraham was rich. Some of you remember how many billions in, in, in two year, currency of two years ago was. Pastor did the math, so I'm not going to go there. But Isaac grew up in plenty. But here he is, in life has happened. His father is dead, he's buried his father, and life has happened to him, and he is in a situation where he's in a land where there is famine, and he needs to do something about it. Fact, sometimes people who have plenty can lose it all. That's life. Amen? He, he grew up in plenty, but here he is. He is a man 
who knew the secret he continued to listen to the word of god we'll see from the other chapters chapter 24 chapter 25 and and as we go on he's he's someone who understood he learned probably from his dad what it was to walk with god so plenty or no plenty he still heard from god so make it a point that number 1 you hear from the lord all the time amen now some facts about me my history um i didn't grow up poor <laughs> okay this one from nyanga village grew up poor he, he has told us and let me tell you about me we grew up well to do okay it was a lifestyle where my wife calls me anna daddy we we were spoiled they would come back from work on a friday afternoon and where do we go this time ah uh, monkey bay yeah well monkey bay so we we leave and go to monkey bay and and we come back on sunday evening <laughs> all expenses paid by my parents employers sometimes would leave monday morning come home change into uniforms and go to school that kind of lifestyle you understand what life happens <laughs> there came a time when food that was bought at the market other people would be buying it to go and eat we would be buying it for our dogs there came a time when life happened that food was now on the table and you're saying mom you want us to eat ndio za garu it taught us to look to god on the other hand some poor guy from that place is also learning to look to god whether you are in plenty or whether you are in poverty look to god and god has a sense of humor and he brings us both together i uh, save god here <laughs> i say god <laughs> isaac grew up in plenty no, we have no excuse not to seek god we have no excuse not to listen to the word of god no matter where you came from no matter what has happened to you man does not live by bread alone the bible says but by on every word that comes from the mouth of god matthew chapter 4 verse 4 other bibles say every word that proceeds it it's never stopped god has never stopped talking except one time 400 years of silence between malachi and matthew but other than that god is always speaking to us so wherever you are in life i can assure you god has a word for you amen now from the promise to the fulfillment of that promise is where most of us trip is where most of us doubt god as we shall see later on in isaac's life between I, abraham you're going to have a son 75 years old to here is the son is 100 years old in here we get our ishmaels okay in here is where we lie about our rebecca's being our sisters in in here 
stress about whether God would really, really come true with the word that he spoke. So the word of the Lord has been spoken. But between that word being spoken and you saying, I receive it, praise God, to when it actually happens, there's the time factor here. There are things we need to be and things we need to do in between. Because this word is not just going to come automatically. The evil one will oppose it. There will be other things that will come in. They're not necessarily evil, but they'll just come in. Sometimes it's our own perceptions that stand in the way. I told you last week about how I thought, you know, a man of God came and um, we, we were in Zomba then and he said, young man, God, God has been impressing on me that he's going to use you to take the word, his word to the ends of the world. I said, amen. Because in my mind, I'm thinking private jets and Creflo Dollar kind of ministry, you know, TD Jacks. These guys are, are huge. They, they say this week we are in Atlanta. The next week they're in the next state. The next week, and, and they're using private jets because commercial airlines, those schedules, they can't handle them. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, so <laughs> this is going to be my life. Amen. <laughs> and life happens and I begin to think, ah, but the way my life is going, this thing is not going to happen. A few years ago, a brother comes up with an idea and he says, we need a podcast. And boom, and we, we got the podcast going and the messages are there. And sometimes I look at the stats. Who is listening from where? Who's downloading these messages? We have found Nepal. We have found Thailand. There are people listening in Argentina, Brazil, um, South Africa. The majority still remains Malawi. We have UK. We have got the US and so on. And then it dawned on me, this is what God meant. Years later, over 20 years later, God never told me about owning a private jet. That was me. Still want it though. But that was me. So God has to iron out perceptions in between his promise and its fulfillment. Hallelujah. I said, look, God, I've always wanted to be a family man. I've always wanted to have a family. And I meet this lovely young lady here, this girl here. And I thought, ah, everything is all sorted out. Oh, boy. 21 years and counting down the line, I realized it's a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment. There are times we have to say, you know what? This thing is not working. Let's talk. And you lock the door and you, you will, no, me. That time it's not pastor. That time it's you and me. <laughs> and we have to make sure that we resolve those issues. And then the seasons of plenty come. Where I can say, yes, it's great to be married in the Lord. But it doesn't come on a silver platter. It doesn't. So, we thank God. For the example Isaac has left for us. In between God telling him that I will bless you to when it actually starts to happen. His, his humanity comes up. He's lying and all these things. But God is merciful. He still fulfills his promise. So, the next, the next thing that I want us to see this month, this, this, uh, this week, just for today, is that Isaac prayed 
and walked with God. You cannot divorce prayer from God's promises coming true in your life. You have to pray. Someone will be praying with you. That's a bonus. But you have to pray. Amen? So these days I don't, when people say, oh, you're going to church, I pray for us. I said, ah, no, that one, let's go to church. Let's go and pray together. I'll pray for the patient who's on the best hospital bed because those ones, things are tough. It's, I'll pray with that one. But you are, you are okay. You're going to church. Pray for us. I'll say, come, let's go and pray together. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 21, the, 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 the scenario is that um, Isaac and Rebekah have had no children. Okay? And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer. You see that? This guy is on talking terms with God. And he remembered that God had given him a promise regarding his descendants. So obviously, Rebecca is, is supposed to have children. But it's not happening. And then we are told, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. And she bears children. When we come to... Which verse was that? Um, when you come to verse 26, we are told that after this, his brother came out, meaning Jacob, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. But this guy, when he was getting married, he was 40. 20 years in between. 20. But what he knew was God promised. It's not happening. I am going to pray. He went to pray and he was sure God answered him. Because the Bible says that after he prayed, God answered him. Even before the children came, God had answered him. In chapter 24, verse um, 62, the Bible says, Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. Other, other Bibles say to pray. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master. The servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then a servant told Isaac that he, what he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now here's the interesting thing. Probably, probably Isaac was praying because he knew that his father's servant has gone to look for a wife for him. The Bible doesn't tell us that. I'm just saying maybe. It's very likely. So his prayer life started way back. It wasn't just because of this crisis of famine. Because we're really good at praying to the Lord when we're in crisis, aren't we? When everything is, 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 is going okay. A song I, I, I used to like back in the day says, when everything is okay and you've got the Jews, do you, do you pray to the Lord? But when your rent is due, 
When there is famine, when you've been knocked off from the office and I've told you this is your last day, you no longer are in our employ. For whatever reason, sometimes you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just decisions that have been made. Tactical decisions, strategic decisions. It's easy to go to the Lord then. But when there is plenty, it's not easy for most of us. Because we tend to fill those times for the Lord with other things that we have been blessed with. And so the blessings of the Lord, we turn them to be a curse. But they shouldn't be. It's possible to be rich and righteous. You, you remember that, that, that sermon? The righteous and the rich. It's possible to be rich and righteous. But what we are beginning to see here is that for Isaac, communing with the Lord is something that was his lifestyle. So he knows that servant has gone. He is in prayer. And the first time she sees him, he is in prayer. Hey, to those who are single, the first time you see him, he should be in prayer. At least he should be walking with the Lord. Because that's the first question we'll ask you when you come to us as pastors. That one is an unnegotiable. We ask, does this person know the Lord? If it's a no, don't even bother. Leave that one. No, but pastor, he might, you are not the Holy Spirit, keep quiet. Someone who is walking with the Lord, you can see it in their life. And they are committed to making things right. Amen? So, so we see that Isaac was somebody who was, um, who, was, who was a prayerful person. In chapter 26, um, verse 23, let's go there. Genesis chapter 26, verse 23. The Bible tells us that from there, this is this has been about the fights over the wells. He digs this well, they come, they stop it up. They digs this one, they want to take it. So from there, he went up to Beersheba. That night, God appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Verse 25. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. Now interesting things happen. He built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord after the Lord appeared to him again. Previously to this, he's not built an altar since God told him to stay in Gera. He would just go out and try and, and, and make things happen. And he would meet opposition and so on. But, but this time things changed. I don't know whether he had been praying. But the Bible tells us that God appeared to him. And he tells him that I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. Isaac was afraid. Why was he afraid? In the, in the following verses, he had heard that Abimelech and his commander in chief are coming. That gives you fear. Because these are the same guys who, when things started going well with you, when things started being plentiful and progressing, they said, you have become too powerful for us. Go away from us. Go. Go away. You are, you are too powerful. You might take over. So he moves, goes to the valley of Gera. And now he has heard from the Lord. Maybe he went to pray because he heard these guys are coming and whatnot. But God tells him, don't be afraid. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Nothing will happen. Don't worry. 
And God says, I will bless you and you increase you in your number. You know, there are sometimes God needs to repeat his promises so that he settles our hearts. Happened to me on Saturday, yesterday. I woke up and some of the news I heard was that uh, um, the late Maria Chitanjankoma passed on. And as a musician, somebody that I'd follow, I'd go, oh, okay, how do they do their things and stuff like that? I was like, oh, she's gone. COVID-related. Um, there's a family friend in Blantyre. I heard yesterday also that they are in hospital. And it's, 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 it's a critical situation. And when you hear things like those and you say, God, but you had told us that none of us shall be lost. Now, this thing seems like back with a vengeance. What, what, what is going to happen to us? What's going to happen? How do we proceed? What about the church? How do we proceed? Because, and you notice the fears that were there last year about this time have also come back. People sharing the statistics and this is happening and that. And it's true. It's, it's happening. We're not denying that. But I had to stop myself and say, God, what are you saying about this? Simple word. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What if it hits me? Don't be afraid. What about the church? Don't be afraid. So I'm moving in the confidence that God has said, don't be afraid. I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is I'm not going to be afraid. Amen? I'm not denying it. I'm just saying, don't be afraid. I'll take all the precautions. I'm just saying, God has said, don't be afraid. That's my word. That's what I'm moving with. That's the practice I've seen with people like Isaac. This time, when God speaks to him, the first thing he does, he builds an altar. An altar is a public declaration of the God you serve. It's open. This is where I stand. It's more or less like a challenge to the enemy to say, if you're going to come to me, just know that you're coming against this God that I serve. Amen? So he makes a public declaration. And there on that altar, he calls on the name of the Lord. Basically saying everything that I am, everything that I'm going to do from now on is because of this God. I'm in touch with this God. I rely on this God. And it's public. And there he pitches his tent where the altar is. He pitches his tent. And the tent is a dwelling place. It's more or less like your house. These are nomads, we have to remember. The question I had for myself was, what kind of altar have I put in my house? When you walk into my house, will you see that I call upon the name of the living God? That my life is all about Jesus. That everything that I am, everything that... I hope to be, has its source in Jesus Christ. Because you can have plenty without Christ. It's possible. Amen? 
you can have plenty, you can have progress without Christ. It's very possible. But there's something different about those who walk with the Lord and they've got plenty and there's progress in their life. The impact is far reaching. Amen? The impact of somebody who has plenty and is using it to bless others, somebody like that who is having progress in their life, the impact is far more, it outlasts those who do not walk with God for the kingdom of God. So, base your prayer life, base your worship, base your life on the word of God. Hallelujah. Why? Because you draw upon the plenty that God has got for you to accomplish what he said he would do in your life. Jesus said that apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think this is where Isaac had, had, had reached. He discovered that his priorities were not right. The moment he put God first and made it a public declaration for all to see, from that moment you begin to read, actually verse 26 says, meanwhile, the guy has built his tent, uh, his altar, and his tent is around there, and he's calling on the name of the Lord. Meanwhile, Abimelech and, and, and Ahusa and Fiko, they come to him. They are coming to him. So no wonder the guy was afraid. But God tells him, don't worry. I'm the God of the Father. I will still bless you. In other words, these guys who are coming, it's sorted. It's a done deal. By the time these guys come with all their lies and whatnot, I, Isaac does not hit back because they come and they said, <laughs> we saw clearly that uh, the Lord was with you. So we said, let ought to be a sworn agreement between us and you. Okay? And this is because Isaac had asked them, why have you come to me? Because you are the ones who sent me away. Now in their answer, they begin to make it look like it was Isaac who was the one who was oppressing them. But Isaac doesn't hit back. You don't repay evil with evil. You repay evil with good. By the time they leave these guys, they have made a peace treaty. By the time these guys leave, it's, you don't hear of Isaac going to war with anybody again after this. By the time he dies in chapter 34, he is a man, the Bible says, full of years. He had lived his life to the full. Amen? May you die full of years. People should say, this one lived and lived well. But when he made that decision to put God first and make a public declaration, God began to sort out his enemies. And he lived in peace. Amen? Some of you have been asking, God, I have done this and then this one comes. Will ever there be any peace in my life? It will. Keep putting God first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you as well. What all things? The things that even those who do not know the Lord worry about. Food. What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? How are you going to pay X? going to pay why things happen in life just on on um, on friday i think yeah it was on friday driving home rushing 
take my wife to praise team practice, and the car says, check your coolant now. Just check. It, it's these alarms that are intended to make you be irritated so that you do something about it there and then. <laughs> okay, right. We sort out the issues, and uh, we get the other car, we go home. On our way home, I get a message. Dad, um, electricity units have run out. Okay, I'm on my way. Get home, you sort that one out. I get a phone call. It wasn't good news. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, hey, will there ever be peace? Peace. Because when you're going home, all you want is peace. I don't know about you. But you don't want to get home and the first thing you are told is, okay, while you are away, <laughs> those notes I take them and put them away for a little bit, recharge myself and come back and say, you were saying? But that's life. But all these things that people look for, all these things people are hustling for, the Bible tells us that when you seek God first and his kingdom, all these things will be added to you. When you make that declaration and say, for me, it's God first. And by the way, this reference point of saying you put God first, it keeps shifting. It keeps on being challenged. So you have to keep coming back to it and say, I, it's God first. It's God first. You put God first, you will see him do things in your life, in your behalf, in ways you had never thought of before. Hallelujah. When you get that combination of hearing from the word of God and you, 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 you add it up with prayer, I can assure you, you begin to see God manifest in your life in ways that are, the word I have in mind is, your life becomes an adventure. Your life becomes an adventure. Hallelujah. Trust God. If anything we are going to learn from, from, from Isaac today is that he walked with God. He became a man of prayer. All he knew was that God had promised him, I will bless you, you will have plenty and all that. But then he's someone who was also close to the Lord. He missed it at some point, but he came back to the Lord. That's a better story for me. Because it is better to work with somebody who realizes that they, they have been missing it and then they decide, I'm going to make it right. I'll go back to where I'm supposed to be. I would rather be with somebody like that than someone who decides, yeah, you, you think I've missed it. And it's very clear they have missed it. You think I've missed it. I will not come to that church of yours again or, or whatnot. That, you just know this one is not ready. This one is not ready. But this... This thing, if we catch this thing to say when God speaks to us and we pray, we are in touch with God. We are obedient to the Lord. I am promising you on the authority of the scripture, the word of God, he will manifest himself in your life in ways that you would only dreamed of. That's our God. So, Jesus had modeled this for us. The prayer life of Jesus was amazing. We are told in the book of Mark that early in the morning, 
while the sun was not up, he went to pray. And that was his lifestyle. And Jesus was one of the busiest persons ever. If, if you read the book of Luke and the book of Matthew, just a day in the life of Jesus, the man was busy. And yet he always carved out time for prayer. Sometimes it was all night of prayer. Alone. He comes down, then he's selecting his disciples. Why? This is the same person who would tell us later on in the book of John that I only do what I see my father doing. How did he see his father? Because he was so in touch with God. He knew what God's will was for his life and he pursued it through prayer. That is a very dangerous combination for the kingdom of the enemy. But it's a great one for the kingdom of God. Amen? That's the kind of thing that sharpens your spirit and it makes you pick up things that the naked eye wouldn't pick. I used to wonder earlier on when um, you'll be with some Christian and you're talking and uh, there's a third guy comes, you talk and they leave and this one says, nah, no, don't do business with this person. I'm saying, how, how did they get it? They have never met, but this person, they are people connected to the spirit of God. They are committed to the word of God. They are committed to prayer and obedience to the word of God. That combination works amazing wonders. They're not just wonders, they're amazing wonders. Amen? It's the kind of things that I've, I've experienced this. You're interviewing people to work in your home. You ask these questions, ordinary questions and so on, and you just think, no, this one, mm-mm. this one, no. I said, we're not picking this one, and she says, why? I said, I, we're not picking this one. I can't explain it to you. It's that kind of thing which makes Jesus talk to Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. You just don't say that out of nowhere. You've got to be connected with the Spirit of God to detect when the enemy is at move, even among your team. So you are able to detect. Because you have spent time with God, God has spoken to you, and you hear that Abimelech and and Fico are coming, but you are at peace now because God has said, don't be afraid. Before they came. It's available to all of us. This is not for, for prophets only, or pastors only, or evangelists only. It's available for you. You sitting there, it's available for you. And you will experience the leading of the Lord that will amaze you. The leading of the Lord that begins to bring out what God has in, 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 in mind for, for your life. So we find the Lord Jesus Christ modeling this prayer, lifestyle of prayer. Early in the morning, every day, he drew guidance, he drew strength from God. He knows the will of the Father is for me to go to the cross. And suffer there. But you know as a person. As a human being. It was hard. So he goes to pray. And in prayer he must have asked the Lord for help. He wanted to leave it all at, at, point, at one point actually. He just wanted everything. 
my will is that I would want an easier way out. But he knew he had to go through it. And, and from that prayer, we are told that God sent an angel and strengthened him. There are times in life when strength begins to run out. And you pray to the Lord and he gives you strength. You are back in the game. There are times your strength is so drained, you ask for someone else to help you pray. God gives that strength. Not long ago, I remember it, I reached that point. And I remember telling my wife, I say, I need you to pray for me. Because this is where I am. And this is what is happening. And she's praying. And as she was praying, I literally could feel strength coming back in me. So, brothers and sisters, the two non-negotiables in our lives. Number one, the word of God. Let's take time to learn the word of God. Let's take time to, to, to internalize the word of God. Become part of us. And number two, let's pray. Let's take time to pray. On your own, if, it, if praying on your own is difficult, let me give you a clue. Saturday morning, 7 a.m., come here. For just one hour. If you don't know how to pray, just do what the others are doing. Pretty soon, you'll be praying on your own. Very well. You know why I'm saying this? That's where I've been. One of the things about this church which I thank God for is that we, we've got slots for prayer. Saturday morning, every beginning of the month, we have a night of prayer and, and so on and so forth. There, there was a time I used to ask myself, how do these people lead prayer for the whole night? And the kind of praying we do here is not, we, we don't sing a lot. We share the word and then it's praying, 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 all the way to 430 and I used to ask myself, how do these guys do it? You need to start asking those questions. And when I cracked the code, I realized something. I realized, number one, the prayers are based on the word of God. It's always, let's look at this verse, let's pray. Let's look at this verse, let's pray. Let's look. Before you know it, it's 425. Ah, already, we have to go home. And then that Saturday morning is when you realize, but I'm tired. It was a lot of work. But now I can do it. I didn't come like that, but I learned. So humble yourself, learn to pray. Because the things you learn to pray when you are together are the things almost 100% you will do when you are alone. The word of God and prayer. So God has spoken to us that um, this is the year of plenty and the year of progress. That year of plenty and year of progress will come under attack. The enemy is not just sitting down there. Like Job, he had plenty, he had progress, it came under attack to the point that he was down to zero. If there was a minus that people can experience in their life, I think Job experienced it. But the only thing he knew he had was the truthfulness of the word of God, the facts of the word of God, and prayer. That's all that Job had. And God restored him. And when you have been struck with blindness, think about this. After meeting the Lord, 
whose sins you have been slaughtering, you are soul of Tarsus. You need prayer. Do the same Lord to give you mercy to keep moving in life. And to give you your marching orders. We could draw on a lot of examples, but we're just saying prayer is indispensable in our lives. If what God has said in our lives is going to come pass, will come to pass. This is the year of shining. That was 2019. Uh, 2020, sorry. The year of shining. There was a time in that year. Oh boy. We knew God was taking us places. We knew God was going to do things. But I remember there were times when we didn't even call each other. All we could do was email and WhatsApp. and say, Pastor, where are you? Today I'm at home. Me too, I'm at home. You haven't heard anything. But between the two of us, we know what was going on. <laughs> if I message you and I say, where are you? And you say, I'm at home. It's true, you're at home, right? Right. Where are you? I'm at home. It's as plain as it can be, right? But what we were saying to each other is, we have no fuel to go into town. Life was hard. Challenging times. We look back today and we go, wow. God has been faithful. We can't give up. It's only God who will take us there. It's only God. So what does all this mean to us as we close? The Lord has spoken to us that this is the year of plenty and progress. The enemy has declared war on that promise from the Lord. In this month of January, where we are talking about we are going forward, we are, we, are, we are letting our eyes look ahead. We are going to fix our gaze before us. We are going to fix our gaze on the promise that God has given us. We are not going to fix our eyes on, on debates that are going to go on about this year. We are not going to fix our eyes on what might be. We are not going to fix our eyes on what could go wrong. We are going to fix our eyes on what God has said is going to happen to us. The promise of God. That's where we're going to fix our eyes on. That's where our prayers are all going to go. Amen? So when we say, let's pray, let's pray. When we say, let's study the word of God, let's study the word of God. Don't make it an option. I am convinced beyond reasonable doubt that only the word of God will sustain us. I don't know, maybe it's old age, but the more I think about it, it's only the word of God that sustains us. And prayer will help us to stay locked in that we are fixed on there. Because when we pray, we tap upon the manifest presence of God. When we pray, we tap upon his wisdom. A sister was asking me, so pastor, things have happened like this, 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 this. What do I do? I sent to her James chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. Ask God for wisdom and don't doubt. And a couple of days later, oh, this, 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 this has happened. I said, don't worry. Promotion does not come from the east nor the west. It comes from the Lord. So I'm standing with her and I'm saying, my opinions are, <laughs> are many. I could discourage her, I could encourage her. But I know, when I tell her the word of God, God will honor that word. 
It's all in the word of God, people. And we need to continue to pray. Amen? So, hold on to that word that has been spoken to you by faith. Let me show you how the word for this year, plenty and progress, I believe is from the Lord. The first day we started praying, God spoke to us this word. When Pastor Matthew was communicating the theme for this year, same word, same verse. And Pastor Matthew and Pastor Macduff had not spoken about this. For me, I said, at the testimony of two witnesses, the matter is established. So yes, it is a year of plenty and progress. Don't worry about what happens to the next person. Because for some of you, Plenty and progress will mean they'll get an amazingly nice job. Better than the one you have been dreaming about. That's not the time to say, God, you are forgetting me. Uh Uh-uh. That's the time to say, sister, God bless you. I am happy for you. May it go well with you and may the enemy not snatch this from you. Bless them. Because for you, the progress you may need may be different. But it is progress. I've told you time and time again to say, for me, if you are able to pray five minutes per day this year, here in January, and you are able to pray 15 minutes per day by December, I will celebrate with you. That is progress. If you are able to pray an hour on your, on your own today. And by the end of the year, you are able to do two hours. I will celebrate with you. If you are able to understand some basics about the scripture now, and by the end of the year, you are able to link a few things and begin to see bigger pictures and apply them to your life and you see life change, I will celebrate with you. Amen? I will not say, uh, so it was... Five minutes in in January, right? Right. So this is December, and you're doing 15. Ah. Anyway, may the Lord bless you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Commit yourself to praying and walking with the Lord in obedience, and he will manifest himself in your life. So the action point I have for us is this one. Learn to pray on your own. Learn to pray with others. Go to God and say, God, you have said this year is the year of plenty and progress for me. What do I need to do next? What kind of person do I need to be? Depending on where you are in life, you need to continue in prayer and the word of God. And I can guarantee you, God will speak to you. God will give you that direction. Amen? So in conclusion, it has happened before that God has spoken his word to us in the year. If you go to ICA, they have got a word. Catchphrase is, I'm responsible. That's what they're using this year. I'm responsible. I'm yet to see PICC and... uh, PICC, they're saying, recover all. That's for them. It's great. All right? 
I'd love to know what's going on and so on. But right now I'm saying, God, for me, where I am right now, this is what you have said for me. This is what you have said for us. What next? What do we do? And so on and so forth. And already there are things happening. There are things coming this year in KICC that are things probably we've never done before. We'll, we'll let you know at the right time. But we need plenty of souls coming into the kingdom of God. The details will come later. Okay? Plenty of souls coming to the kingdom of God. That's, that's where we're going. Hallelujah. So, everyone got a word for the year. And we have prayed. But sometimes you come to the end of the year and nothing. We can talk about having so many souls coming to the kingdom of God. People knowing Jesus Christ. Yes, that's what we want to do this year. That's the plenty we want. And, and we need to see progress and, and all these things. But, come December, it's the same numbers. Come December, it's the same people. Did God lie? No. The next thing we'll see about Isaac, Isaac's life, God willing, by, uh, on Sunday next week, is where most of us miss it. And that has to do with work. Yeah, no amen. It has to do with work. When God speaks, this is the year of plenty and progress. By the end of the year, after all our, as, as we've been doing the praying and so on and so forth, in between here, for that thing to happen, it takes work. So on Sunday, come prepared, knowing we'll look at the life of Isaac and what he teaches us about working out the promises of God. Because the Bible says that in verse 12, the man in that year, it says that he planted. Um, Isaac planted crops in that land that year. That's work. You're, if you hate work, you're, you're missing your breakthrough. And we'll look at what God thinks about work. Where he places work in between his promise and it becoming fulfilled. Yes, we will pray. That's great. But look, if we are not going to go out and share Christ, that thinking of plenty in terms of people, they are not going to come. Because we haven't worked the work of going and sharing the gospel. Helping others grow in their walk with Christ. That it's not going to happen. We celebrate the lives of Joseph and say he was given a responsibility by Pharaoh. But when you look at the life of Joseph, he worked for his father. He worked for Potiphar. He worked eventually for, for, for the prison warden. Joseph was an administrator. Did you notice? He was. And when time came for that promise to be fulfilled, he was equipped because he worked. So that's next week. <laughs> Hallelujah. For last week, we said, hold on to the word of God. For this week, we are saying, let's pray. For next week, we'll be looking at work. Where does work fall in here? 
Amen? Where does work fall in? Because we don't want to say from now on, when God, by the end of the year, we don't want people to say, you had said it's a year of plenty and progress. But when we look at KICC, we don't see plenty and progress. God is not a liar. He will fulfill what he said he's going to do. But we have a part to play. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you for teaching us from the life of Isaac. That when you promised that you were going to bless him and give him plenty. He took you at your word. And he changed his priorities and made you first. But also he worked. I'm praying, oh God, that as we continue this study in the life of Isaac, Lord, you open our eyes. Teach us. Speak to each and every one of us. As we make changes in our lives and make you first and be committed more to praying, oh God, I pray you manifest yourself in our lives to the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen.